And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the coronavirus story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at. And illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio, available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com or you can call the vent line and leave your rants. And if they're good, we'll use them on the broadcast. The number is 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Oh, man, March Madness. This is going to be quite a month. I hope uh, this broadcast finds you and your family safe at home and finding the silver linings, being able to spend time with your family and uh, healthy and uh, making the best of, uh, of this disastrous situation that uh, China has landed us in. We're going to be joined in the second half of today's show by Ken LaCourt. He was a senior executive at Fox News, heading up the editorial team. He now runs LaCourt News, an alternative media site that you're definitely going to want to check out. And you're going to want to hear that interview. You know, uh, I, I like to look for silver linings in things. Like what was the old Shakespeare term? I'd rather uh, light a candle than curse the darkness. And one of the silver linings in all of this is it's bringing a lot of the weaknesses that uh, we have had foisted upon us in this country by our, our leaders in Washington and on Wall Street. It's bringing those weaknesses into sharp relief and, and making people realize sort of the disastrous situation our leaders have put us in. And one of those situations is uh, credit card debt. Over the years, the usury laws have been steadily eroded in Washington, led, by the way, uh, by the, uh, the Democrats' presidential candidate, Joe Biden. He was the number one lobbyist on Capitol Hill for 40 years for the credit card companies. Of course, he, uh, he represents Delaware, where they're all headquartered because they've got these, uh, these laws there in Delaware that protect them from taxes and from disclosures and from all of the other things. That tiny little state uh, is home to almost all of the big credit card companies. But, you know, there used to be laws against usury. You couldn't charge so much interest if you, if you do if you did what the credit card companies have been allowed to do, you know, and you were in the mafia, they'd put you in jail for being a loan shark. And we're now seeing that, uh, you know, these banks who always seem to come out unscathed from all of these crises, they can borrow money from the federal reserve at 0% interest. They can entirely clear their balance sheets of all of the interest, you know, take their debt, borrow money, pay it off, and they've got free money, free 0% money from the Federal Reserve. Those same credit card companies are charging their customers 21% interest. You know, you can get a lower rate, but uh, but they've got all of these tricks and strategies to declare you in default and jack your rate up to 21%. 
And, uh, and that used to be called usury. It's now legal, thanks to Joe Biden and the other sellouts up on Washington Hill. And I've been arguing on uh, Twitter, and I, I want you to go on there and start trending this hashtag. We need a, a, a coronavirus jubilee. These banks ought not to be able to take advantage of this, this crisis to jack up their profits. And really, these interest uh, rates on credit cards should be, I would say, you know, I'm not a financial expert, but prime plus 5%. 5% is a, a good return for a major institution to, to make on their money. So I've got a clip here. This is Maria Bartiromo. She has taken uh, taken notice of this uh, this crisis and had a guest on her show to talk about it. So, so you say that credit card companies are willing to work with cardholders. How come the credit card companies haven't gotten the memo about rock bottom interest rates? I mean, you look all over the credit spectrum. You're talking about rock bottom rates, expect, except when you come to companies like Visa, MasterCard and the rest that are still charging 18, 19 percent credit card rates. I think what the banks would say is that this is unsecured debt. They're not sure that they're going to get paid back. Unfortunately, during the Great Recession, we saw credit card charge-offs spike to about 10.5%. Even in the past couple of weeks, we've seen issuers really tightening their lending standards. They're not sure they're going to get paid back. So this is why some of them are so nervous. Yeah, you're not sure you're uh, going to get paid back. That's why you have credit reporting agencies and credit standards. You ought not to be issuing debt to people that can't afford to pay it back and then jacking their rates up to 21%. Usury is uh, a form of debt slavery. And the the big banks in this country have for my entire adult life been charging these outrageous rates and getting away with it because of their army of lobbyists up on Capitol Hill. Dagan McDowell responded to that uh, that credit card company shill like this. Here's Scott Martin. Yeah, do you, thanks, thanks, Brent. Ted, do you, how do you do that? Do you contact, so you contact the credit card company, tell them you're having trouble. That is not the clip I was looking for. Let me see if I can find it toward the end here. Program, sometimes they call. Call these credit card companies. Why is the burden on the individual? Why is the burden on the person with the credit card to each call these credit card companies? Why wouldn't they simply just impose a blanket policy for a nation that is at war against this virus? Why is the burden on the individual, each and every one of people who are trying to get groceries who have no income, and they've got to spend hours on the phone contacting these credit card companies? Hours and hours. Can you imagine how many people are hitting up these call centers trying to get some relief, some hardship relief from these credit card companies? It's, It's probably a system designed to fail. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to renegotiate your debt they want to uh, continue to jack up rates and guess what if you miss a payment you're in default under the terms of their agreements and uh, if you are lucky enough to have started off with a lower interest rate they're going to jack you up to the maximum i think it's 21.9 percent interest and and like i say these banks always seem to come through these crises smelling like a rose and we need to start uh, trending this hashtag on Twitter, Coronavirus Jubilee. Um, the uh, American people and the people that have been trapped by these companies on purpose 
you know, they, they had this, uh, this genius back in the uh, 80s or early 80s that, uh, that rewrote all of their terms that were designed to entrap you to catch you in default and jack up your rates to the maximum. They would hold out these teaser loans. They would claim no, no interest, and they would uh, make their due dates on odd dates and, and all sorts of other uh, strategies and then jack your rates up as soon as they could. And I think as you know, we head into this 2020 election, we need to keep in mind how all of this came about. You know, Donald Trump, you can, you can say about him what you will, but he didn't spend his time in these financial sectors trying to figure out ways to chisel other people out of, out of, uh, out of, out of their productivity. Donald Trump was actually engaged in productive enterprise. He was developing huge real estate projects and, and businesses that employed tens of thousands of people, maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands of people when you add it all up. At the same time, Joe Biden was up in D.C. representing the credit card companies headquartered in Delaware, shilling for them, uh, eroding the laws against usury, and allowing them to charge those same workers that Donald Trump was putting to work 21% interest. Tucker Carlson, who has become the indispensable voice during this crisis, touched on this early on. Probably the only group sincerely cheering Biden on tonight are the credit card companies. For decades, Biden was their paid lackey in Washington. They bribed him with cash. They gave jobs to his son. In return, he carried their legislation through Congress dutifully for many, many years. Meanwhile, untold Americans, average Joes, as Joe himself likes to say, were crushed by credit card debt. The average credit card interest rate in this country is 21%. 21% interest at a time when the Fed is giving banks billions of dollars nearly for free. That's how low interest rates are for them, but you're paying 21%. This is a disaster. How bad is it? Let's put it in perspective. Ask yourself, how many people do you know personally who've been hospitalized for coronavirus, something we're all worried about unjustly? Maybe none. Now ask yourself, how many people you know personally whose lives have been, d- been diminished or destroyed by credit card debt? Huh. Yeah. Maybe it's happened to you. It probably has. It's happened to so many people. Joe Biden is one of the decision makers who made that possible. It's not an overstatement, but they don't care. Now they're telling you that for the good of the country, you've got to vote for Joe Biden. Keep in mind, they don't even believe it as they say it. They don't even like Biden. But at this point, they'll say anything because they have to. You know, we came through that last financial crisis in 2008. Um, uh, severely diminished. People lost their houses. They lost their retirement savings. They were unable to pay for their uh, children's education, which has also become part of the lending rackets. And uh, and it looks like uh, they're going to do it again and not give anything back. In 2008, nobody went to jail. They caused the crisis, that, and they turned around and benefited greatly from it. They were they were uh, lending these subprime mortgages to people who had no ability to pay them back because they could then turn right around and thanks to Washington D.C. offload those those toxic loans to uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So they they had no incentive to make sure that the people that were borrowing this money could pay it back. Quite the opposite, they were making huge fees to write these loans and taking uh, points off of it after they sold it to the feds. 
So in this current crisis, we need to make sure that uh, the banks, I'm not saying that they're, you know, the underlying cause of this current crisis, but we've been, we need to make damn sure that we start reorienting the financial sector to actually engage in productive activity instead of just chiseling everybody else. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. Hashtag coronavirus jubilee. Let's get that trending on Twitter. We need to uh, uh, start straightening some things out in this country, and credit card debt is a big part of it. Stay tuned. We're going to be joined by Ken LaCord in the second half of today's show. A former executive over at Fox News heading up their editorial team now runs LaCord News. It's a great interview, and you're going to want to hear it. Well, we're now learning uh, as a result of U.S. intelligence reports that, in fact, China early on in this crisis were underreporting their uh, their well everything to do with this crisis their infection rates their death rates their transmissibility from human to human and while they should have been warning the world and allowing the world to uh, you know get samples of this virus so we could start the response early and on they were uh, they were blue skying the rest of the world and allowing people in their country to travel to all corners of the world, most specifically northern Italy, where they uh, they had hundreds of thousands of workers from the Wuhan province who had gone home for the Chinese New Year. They were allowed to return, and, and we see the disastrous results. All of those things could have been spared the world. We could have been spared this crisis if China had not, if China had just been open with the world. So, you know, I get called a conspiracy theorist a lot because I think China is a malign actor. It's a communist dictatorship, and we need to start acknowledging that and then reorienting our economy, decouple our economy from theirs. But even if you want to believe that this, this thing was an accident, that it uh, escaped that viral laboratory by accident, making the decisions that Xi Jinping and the communist dictatorship to allow people from that province to get on airplanes and travel to Italy and California and New York have landed us in this terrible situation we're in now. We're going to talk about that with Ken LaCourt when he comes up. 
But here's a clip uh, describing exactly what happened. During January, President Xi Jinping was well aware of how deadly the situation was, yet he made a decision that would ultimately condemn the world. He allowed five million people to leave the epicentre of the virus, to leave Wuhan without being screened for COVID-19, before he decided to impose a lockdown. comes from China. So uh, Marsha Blackburn... In the uh, in the Senate, has introduced a bill uh, that is going to or that would hold China responsible, and China holds a huge amount of our U.S. Treasury debt, about one point eight trillion dollars. One point eight trillion dollars we owe a communist dictatorship in China, and she's introduced a bill that uh, would count up the costs of this epidemic that China has foisted upon us. And uh, and and claw back some of that debt. I would say it would it would the the final tally would probably end up clawing back all of that debt. But she says when we take all of these things into consideration, bringing our manufacturing back, our pharmaceuticals back, there are other things that we can bring back to America and put put America back to work. So, absolutely. China needs to be held responsible if we need to take them into an American court and uh, tally up the damage that they're responsible for, either through their neglect or their intentional uh, spread of this virus. You can decide which one it is. Both of them are actionable as a, a matter of law. We need to uh, we need to make sure that China bears uh, their share of responsibility, which is the the lion's share. I saw a story, uh, sort of a heartening story. Kroger is uh, is adding bonuses to their workers' pay. They call it a hero bonus during this coronavirus. And, uh, and you know, really, uh, the food distributors aren't being directly economically impacted because people still have to eat. I know their their workforce is, uh, is coming down with the virus, and they're having a hard time keeping their doors open. But this... You know, Kroger is a great American company based in Ohio, and this is exactly the type of posture that uh, that businesses, productive businesses on Wall Street should be taking. Saw a story last night on Tucker's show about a, a young lady in Washington State who has uh, has really stepped up. She is now delivering uh, meals to the uh, to the hospital staffs that are that are uh, being hammered during this crisis uh, she is uh, collecting donations she's buying meals uh, for takeout from area restaurants and delivering them to the hospital staffs so she's showing the hospital staffs that uh, you know people still care and how much they're appreciated and at the same time she's keeping these restaurants that have been so hard hit in business, that's the kind of thing that uh, that raises your spirits and and really illustrates the spirit of America. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, the guy that uh, you know was the one of the major proponents of this Russia Gate hoax that bogged down this administration for three years. Adam Schiff 
chairman of the House Intelligence Committee after the 2018 elections that immediately converted the House Intelligence Committee when they should have had this virus on their radar. They were they were converted under Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi's leadership into an impeachment committee. Well, Adam Schiff now wants to install a a commission on the coronavirus to determine what went wrong. You know what that's going to be all about. That's going to be all about taking the blame off of the Democrats who were bogged down in this impeachment and putting it on Donald Trump, who on the day after um, he was acquitted in the U.S. Senate, gave a State of the Union speech where he said this. Protecting Americans' health also means fighting infectious diseases. We are coordinating with the Chinese government and working closely together on the coronavirus outbreak in China. My administration will take all necessary steps to safeguard our citizens from this threat. You know, the Democrats and the media are trying to pretend that uh, Trump and the administration were late to this. They weren't. Trump was the only one that was on the job. You could say that he was probably distracted by the impeachment. There's no doubt about that. And it was a sham impeachment. It was entirely ginned up by Adam Schiff, who who wasn't actually doing his job, just the opposite. So, yeah, we should have a, 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 a commission, an investigative commission. We should study why the House Intelligence Committee that Adam Schiff chairs wasn't on their job and, and instead distracted with something that was entirely outside of their purview. And we need to study all of these classified leaks that came out of the Intelligence Committee during during the Russiagate hoax, when Adam Schiff, you know, was attending these depositions and running out to the bathroom and leaking classified information of the New York Times and the Washington Post. And that's why it's so important that we uh, we retake the House and keep the White House and Senate in the 2020 elections. So the media is trying to uh, cement this story that that Donald Trump was asleep at the switch and everybody knew what the true nature of this virus coming out of Wuhan was. Here's a crazy Joe over on morning Joe claiming um, that everybody knew. Now we we've heard Zeke Emanuel that nobody could have seen this coming. The fact is everybody saw this coming. Everybody saw this coming in early January. So I, I know it, it's I, I know you like me. So he says there everybody saw this coming in early January. You can go to the pages of all of the legacy media, uh, legacy newspapers, and see that they were downplaying this crisis. They were calling Trump's travel bans from China racist and xenophobia. But as far as Morning Joe goes, he says that early in January, every, everybody saw this coming. Well, you know, uh, videotapes are unforgiving. And this is uh, directly off Morning Joe's show on January 24th. Not in early January, but in late January. So let's bring in Morning Joe medical contributor, Dr. Dave Campbell, for more on this. Um, your thoughts, Dr. Dave, on this, you know, e- explain the severe concern about this outbreak and how worried should Americans be? Should they panic? 
Good morning, Mika. No, Americans do not need to panic. The Chinese are already panicking, as they should, because this virus is spreading all through the central parts of China. And it's a new virus. It has never been seen before. So its uh, mechanism of uh, spreading is not quite known yet. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. We are not out of the flu season. We've already had 50. 50- so you remember when Donald Trump said that the seasonal flu had killed uh, far more people. He was excoriated from that. The rest of the media was asleep at the switch when Donald Trump was instituting travel bans and gearing up our reaction to this. But they want to change history through their reporting and claim just the opposite we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Ken LaCourte, former executive at Fox News Channel, who now runs LaCourte News. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, in the early days of this crisis, many commentators in the alternative media questioned the whole wet market story and pointed out that Wuhan is the city where the virus originated, also houses China's top viral study laboratory. And they wondered, in fact, if the pandemic may have originated in that laboratory. Mainstream media was quick to label uh, that those observations as without basis, and anyone that covered that angle as conspiracy theorists. We're now learning that, in fact, China's own University of South China conducted a study in the early days of the pandemic and concluded that the lab and not the wet market was the likely source of the virus. To discuss this, we're joined now by Ken LaCourte. He was a senior executive at Fox News Channel, heading the editorial team, and now runs LaCourte News, the motto of which is News Unspun, Talk Uncensored. His side highlights media malfeasance and Silicon Valley censorship. You can find him online at LaCourteNews.com. And you can follow Ken on Twitter at Ken LaCourte. That's spelled L-A-C-O-R-T-E. Ken, thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good to be here. So, Ken, the media seems to show a puzzling disinterest in the probability that uh, this virus originated from a 
a laboratory, probably the biggest story of their careers. And instead of, you know, taking out after the story, like you would expect a journalist to do, they're in fact running interference for the communist dictatorship in China. So as somebody with inside knowledge of how big media works, what, what's up with that? Well, I think if you got the average journalist in America and said, who is really more of a problem for America, the communist Chinese or Donald Trump, that Donald Trump would win hands down in, in that uh, dispopularity contest. So, it, so look, here's, here's where we are with, with, that, uh, with that lab. There is, uh, there is no like, kind of hard evidence linking anything to anything. And, and you know, maybe we will discover this in our lifetime when somebody in China talks after he or she has fled the country, or, or maybe not. But the, the, you know, the circumstantial evidence was, was you know, it, it, it did more than raise eyebrows. It almost was, was you, know, you can't say anything definitively, but literally China has one level four biohazard lab in their entire country. They had uh, um, twice before when they were studying some infectious diseases, it was MERS, they accidentally released uh, uh, that out into the public. I mean, viruses are viral. That's why they're called that. They're easy to spread. They can, If you don't do great washdown procedures and all the scientific stuff that's way beyond my ability to understand, that that can easily happen. And China's China. I mean, you know, they cut corners on things all the time. So when they built this lab, there were a lot of concerns that maybe something would leak out of it. In fact, these kind of labs are so are so rare. Japan didn't didn't even build one until 2015. I mean, to give you an idea that that and the Japanese who who have their act together 100 percent, they were like, yeah, we're not sure whether we want one of these here. So anyhow, Chinese do this. They are literally studying coronavirus and 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 permutations of diseases that go from bats to humans in this lab. And lo and behold, this lab is a handful of miles away from this wet market where they say the first number of cases came out of there. So that's the best circumstantial evidence, and it's pretty good circumstantial evidence. You know, they were studying it there. They'd accidentally released it before. It's Chinese who cut corners, and, and on the best of days, you know, you really wouldn't want to be in a Chinese hospital. And and they're just saying that it miraculously sprang forth in a, in this other you know naturally from bat to human in a in a thing a couple miles away that just doesn't pass the smell test. Well, we now what what the U.S. media has done is so every time somebody says that, then you always also have the guys who will take it in the United States to the next conspiracy level, which is they designed it. It was a weapons lab. They designed it, and this was an intentional release and to get America and this and that and. That there's real no evidence at all to, to back up. Scientists say they've looked at it, and if it was kind of a, a genetically modified version of this, that they would have been able to pick up on some markers. I'm not smart enough to know, but these people seem to be pretty bright on, on that. And the concept that China would intentionally release something in their backyard to hurt America thousands of miles away seems just kind of stupid. But what the media has done is they just grab both of those. They put it into one story saying there's no evidence to show that this was intentionally released from a lab. And you're like, yeah, you're kind of half right on that. So why are they ignoring it? You know, who knows? I think they're more uh, they're more interested in talking about uh, President Trump using the word hoax in talking about the Democratic response to this and to try to try to point fingers. They probably know that they can't go to China and track this story down. I mean, if if a, if a U.S. reporter could, he would. Well, in fact, um, uh, China kicked uh, most of the big reporters that were covering this story out of the country. And we do know that in the early days of this virus, uh, they they were refusing to share examples of the virus with American uh, uh, with the CDC. 
Uh, and we know that the doctor that first sounded the alarm on this, as well as the director of the hospital where he worked, were reported to have died. And now we see that many others who spoke out about it have been mysteriously disappeared. So I'm, you know, yeah. uh, you, you can count me among those conspiracy theorists, I guess, because it seems like they did everything in their possible to allow this virus to get a head start, including continuing to allow travel from the Wuhan uh, district uh, to northern Italy. You know, here's, here's the thing about, I mean, I, you know, I mean, they intentionally let millions of their people get infected. That's a, that, that is a, is more difficult for me to believe than what I really believe, which is totalitarian regimes like that. They get into the habit of lying because lying usually works. Okay. Look, Iran shot down a, a, a passenger jet when, when some hostilities were increasing between us and them. I don't think they did that on purpose. They screwed up. It was a blip in there. They thought it was an incoming missile or U.S. plane. They shot it down. But for three days, what do they say? Ah, it ran out of fuel. It was an engine problem. I mean, because that's what totalitarian regimes do. And and China is notorious for changing any numbers that they would have to 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 suit their own to suit their own PR things. And 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 things like that permeate through countries. It's like, look, when you go down into Mexico. And you know that if you get pulled over either rightly or wrongly for doing something in a car, whether you were speeding or drinking or doing nothing, you know you can give 50 bucks to the, to the cop and he's going to go away because that level of dishonesty and corruption is, is permeated throughout the culture. That happens in these totalitarian regimes. And, and the local guys, they're covering their rear ends and they're, they're lying to their superiors and everybody's making up numbers. No, nothing to see here. And then all of a sudden you got dead bodies lining up, you know, outside of hospitals and you can't cover that up. Um, but the concept that they did, you know, it made, it, it radically changed us and, and the world's look at how serious is this? I mean, when I look at it, it's, it's like, if you could believe Chinese numbers, you can't that one out of, yeah, one out of 400,000 people in that country died from, from this disease. That's nothing. That's, you know, 25,000 people die every day in China. The concept that they lost 3000 to this is a blip, but, and, and it's almost certainly not true as well. Yeah. But that's where I think, you know, a lot of countries are not going to forget this one because it's like, you know, had we known real numbers coming out of there, had they been open and honest from the beginning, the rest of the world would have, would have, would have been able to, to do some things. I mean, Look, I live in California. We we banned flights for the most part on on like February one. Okay, that means that while this thing was raging there, eight thousand people from from China had a direct flight every day into into California. And China allowed that. Flights. We had two direct flights in from Wuhan. So it's like as that was ripping and roaring through there, we were getting thousands of people every day. So, according, so, so according to your take on this, uh, the Chinese uh, were just uh, ignorant when they were let, letting those people get on planes and come to California and New York and uh, other of these heavily affected areas, including uh, most disastrously Italy. So, you know, I'll, I'll just make this point and then I'll take my conspiratorial hat off. Um, if they wanted a roadmap on how to defeat America, we see all the, the uh, trauma that it, this has created for our economy and our people, they certainly would have it um, as a result of this, this crisis that they were complicit in. Yeah. I mean, look, you always ask, is this stupidity or evil or a combination of two? Anytime you see something like that, I mean, look, if I'm a Chinese guy and I'm like, Hey, let's take down America. 
I don't think I'd launch a virus in my own city. I think I'd put it into 16 aerosolized cans, give it to 16 moles, have them go into, you know, various flights. We have, again, we have, that was just California numbers. So we have tens of thousands of people coming into the country every day. How easy would it have been to spread it here from the get-go? And, and look, let's also be honest, when the first country that gets that, you don't know what's going on. They didn't know how it was transmitted to, at the beginning. They didn't know what the death rates will be until you have some reverse look at that. They didn't know how to test for it. I mean, the first country that gets hit from something like that, you know, you're operating at a, at a definite information deficit. So if they had, instead of, of, of doing that, if they really wanted to be, you know, Dean Koontz level, level, level bad, launch it over here. That's easy. And I mean, you know, you can literally aerosolize this stuff and then we would have been the ones saying, you know, hey, what happened? It would have been right. They could could have brought it to Atlanta and claimed it came from the CDC, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they could have done anything like that if if, if they really wanted to uh, if they really wanted to be, you know, nasty on something like that. So, you know, it's a combination of 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 probably some unknowledge. Hey, what's going on? Some eh, nothing to see here. Move on, move on. And look, we look. I did that. We did that. The president did that. But, you know, we all look. We, you know, when we had 15 cases here, he was out there saying, "Yeah, I, we're gonna we're gonna stop it here." Well, okay, that was nice, optimistic talk. Um, well, it was also uh, talk with uh, taking China at its word that this uh, this virus didn't transmit human to human. Um, yeah. So I want to play. I want to play a clip for you here. This is uh, the Australian okay. version of 60 Minutes. You may have seen it on Tucker's show. And I want to ask I, I, you about I, the contrast between how their media is handling this and how our media is handling this. Sure. From the very beginning, throughout December, it was spreading. And we now know it was spreading human to human. But the official line of the Chinese government was that this was all related to an animal market. And once they closed the market, it would all go away. Did they know differently at that time? Absolutely. Because uh, they were seeing cases coming into the hospitals that had nothing whatsoever to do with that animal market. So I just got to say, it appears to me watching the media that they're doing a, they're carrying China's water on this. They don't seem to be interested at all. And, in, in, you know, a, an actual pandemic that is uh, ravaging the whole globe. Why is our media so beholding to communist China? And something I've always wondered that I want to ask you about is does does China have tentacles inside some of these news organizations? You know, probably on some. Um, you know, I look and, and it's like, okay, Reddit got, I don't know, $50, $100 million. You know, they're, they're not a news organization, but they're a big distributor of news. You, you wonder a little bit of that. I, I, I think that, that, there are, that it is probably being driven by other factors more than that. I don't want to say that that never, never happens. Um, um, I think that that's probably pretty rare. I, I think that, again, if you go into the, the average media, national media, they are so orange man bad, and they have been for the past three years. I mean, in their hearts, many of them literally believe that they are the last line of defense between a, a dictatorial Trump-Hitler and the United States. I mean, they really believe this in their heart. So that's why they've thrown out journalistic standards. That's why they've thrown out, you know, all sorts of things to bring him down. 
Uh, you combine that with just the hyperactive, fun, fun, uh, uh, you know, we're doing things that get good clicks and, and, and whatnot, and, and you kind of have this, this storm of what we have going on right now. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't dis- dismiss China's, uh, China's, you know, usually pretty ham-handed, uh, 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 you know, propaganda efforts. I mean, you know, we, we've been hearing about Russia's for, for three years. And, you know, you look at the tweets and the things that they say, it's usually so stupid because and, and propaganda in, on that level you know, look at like World War II propaganda of each side doing it to the others. And when you kind of don't understand how people think and you say stupid things, it just, I mean, like, you know, so they're out there saying, well, we think it was, it was released by the U.S. military when uh, we had some uh, joint exercises in, <coughs> excuse me, in November, December. You know, there probably aren't 17 Americans who really believe that. So it was kind of like, why would you do it? Why would you talk about it in that way, even if you believed it? Um, well, but, I can t- I can tell you I can tell you that I and many of my listeners have lost complete faith in the legacy media. Uh, there are sure. some shows on your old uh, your old station, uh, Fox News. Tucker Carlson, in particular, is doing a great job. But I've I've started turning more and more to alternative sources to media uh, like your site, LaCourt News. And uh, if you can hold on, I want to run out to a break, and then we'll talk a little bit yeah, more sure. about that on the other side. That'd be great. I want to talk about like the changing media. I think it's a fascinating topic. Fantastic. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. So we're on with Ken LaCourt talking about the changing media landscape, uh, landscape. Uh, Ken was a former chief executive at Fox news, heading up their editorial team and now runs LaCourt news, an alternative side of media. Ken, uh, more and more people are turning away from the legacy media, the big outlets, because, uh, they, they've been so thoroughly discredited by themselves. Uh, describe for me how you see the emerging media landscape and people's uh, sources for news. So uh, my quick recent history thing on this, I mean, if you look at, at news delivery in America throughout our history, you've seen that it's gone through several iterations. You know, certainly around the turn of the century, the early 1900s, late 1800s, the news was, it was the yellow journalism days. It was, you know, kid on the corner screaming, 12 dead in a house fire, and ringing the bell and and doing all that on the streets of New York. Um, And it was very, very sensationalized because they sold newspapers one at a time. And if if you had the best headline on that newspaper, 
you were going to sell more newspapers at a penny or two a piece. So you had financial incentives built into that. And it was, it was crazy news. That started to change in the, in the, in the, in the early 1900s, partially because people started moving to the suburbs and, and, and monthly subscriptions became more of a deal. And if I can sell you a monthly subscription to my news, to my newspaper, I don't have to, I don't have to tout every, every headline or every, every issue. So, so and you were, and you rely more on credibility at that point too. Exactly. And, and, and ironically, the, the newspaper and the man who, who really forged that path was a guy named Adolph Oaks when he bought the fledgling New York Times and said, we're going a different route. We're going to print both sides. We're going to be relatively neutral. We'll, you know, we'll have opinions, but really not that. And, and they formed a different type of newspaper. And, and it was a combination of those and the market changing. And, and that ushered in through the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, a, a very different, a different journalism than we'd experienced in years. Well, I grew up in the um, 55. I grew up in the 70s, let's say. The newspapers were kind of reliably liberal when it came to things, and the, and the, and the news broadcasters all thought exactly the same amount, uh, the same way. But in the, you know, but then, you know, they were they were liberal, but they weren't kind of crazy liberal like they are right now. They weren't over the top nutty, which is what we've got. And that started in a couple ways. I mean, certainly on on, on cable, Fox was the first one to say, you know, there's an alternative point of view. But I tell you, back in the day. Fox just leaned 15% to the right and CNN and, and MSNBC, MSNBC came in a little bit later, but well, not actually, but you know, they leaned 15, 10, 10 for CNN and, and 20, 30% to the left on, uh, you know, on, on MSNBC, the rise of the internet and, and the more hyper competitiveness in the, in the cable news really started changing things. So now like when you write, you don't have to sell every issue of your newspaper based on the story. You have to sell every story based on how clickable that that headline is. And they're literally like, you know, when I was at Fox, you know, we would put in, we'd have a, a writer put in multiple headlines for the story. Now you try to keep them reasonable and you don't want to lie to people, but you tried to make them as enticing as possible. Computers would serve up those multiple things to everybody around the nation, whichever ones were clicking the best that would then the, the computer would automatically start serving that to everyone. So we got this more and more kind of hyperactive media, you know, with 90% of it being on the left and 5% of it being in on the right and, and 5% of it, you know, just trying to tell the truth out there. Yeah. But that 5% and, on the right is getting about uh, half of the market or, or more um, on, on cable. Well, so that's, you know, cable's the terrific example of that. It's like there are three primary channels and a couple other minor, minor issue ones. And Fox is the only one who leans right. And they've got, yeah, shock of shock, about half of the market share. The other two big ones lean left and they, they slice up that other, that other half. So on a typical day, and these numbers have held for the past four or five years easy, on a typical day, Fox will get about half of the, of the of the cable news viewers and MSNBC and CNN would would fight over the other half and and split that up however they split it up and and that that then kind of brought us a Donald Trump Donald Trump couldn't have been elected 7 years ago 10 years ago he was just he was too flamboyant of a figure he was too in the face he would have been you know him running you know and he tried and he never got off the mat but then in an era where people stopped started trusting the news less especially the news that said Oh, you're a Republican. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. You're a sexist. I mean, well, how about how about the New York Times and the Washington Post running for three years with this Russiagate hoax that was absurd on its face, 
and actually getting Pulitzer Prizes awarded to them for their coverage when I have to believe these people had better sense than to know there was anything to that story. I mean, really, where at this point in our history are we to turn for reliable sources of news that aren't really grinding an ideological axe? So I, I think that you, A, need to go to a number of sources. And you really, you know, you can't just go to the conservative ones. You can't just go to the liberal. If you really want to know what's going on, there are very few places outside where, where you know, you're going to get that whole story. Look, I tried to, to do some, when I first launched this, I said, okay, the edges are getting kind of crazy. Let's, let's, let's find that really fair and balanced in the middle. You just can't get off the mat that way. Nobody cares. Nobody, you know, they, you don't get shared on Facebook. You don't get mentioned places. You just kind of, you publish good stories and, 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 you know, so you have to really kind of broaden your source. Um, um, you have to stop trusting the sources that you, that you trusted before. Again, I grew up knowing that the times was a liberal organization, but believing every word of it and, and knowing that they had, and they still do have some of the smartest people out there. They have a thousand reporters. You compare that to Fox, you know, they've only got 20 or 30 out there actually grabbing news and, and ingesting it and, 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 you know, going out and hunting and killing news. And, but now they are to the, to the point of intellectual dishonesty that it is just, it is just beyond the pale. Oh my God. It started, it started out in the opinion section where they were just with this over the top coverage and then it bled right into their actual hard news reporting. And now when you, when you read the front pages of the times or the post, uh, there's very little difference between the opinion sections and, and the hard reporting. So I mean, the only reason I cover the New York Times and the Washington Post anymore is to is to skewer them and, and poke fun at them. But I guess at some point people are going to get tired of that, and and the New York Times and the Washington Post is just going to join the likes of Breitbart and uh, and the Drudge Report. Uh, you know, as far as their credibility. Yeah, and 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 look, the president accelerated that process crazily. I mean, I mean, look, the president has got this this kind of, uh, uh, you know, he, he's like, he's like fighting the special ed kid, you know, you go after him and he just starts flailing at you until his arms tire out or, or you're on the ground. And he was, the, I mean, you know, he was the first, that was a, that was a perfect description of yesterday's, uh, Q and a after that press conference. <laughs> you know, I remember back in the day, people were like, could you imagine fighting one of the Quaid brothers? You just think that they'd have that kind of, kind of crazy person strength and they just get their arms spinning at you. And that's what he does. And it worked very well for him. And, and of course, you know, from the day he came down in that, in that, in that escalator uh, uh, running for president, they, we saw the pattern. He would say something that was 20% wrong. He would say something that was over the top, but not so over the top that his, his supporters were like, oh, you're a jerk. So he'd say, you know, Mexico, they're not sending us their best. They're sending us murderers and rapists. And, and I'm sure some good people, blah, 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 blah. Well, you and I might hear that and say, yeah, but probably 90% of the ones who are coming over here are, 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 are not murderers and rapists, but I get what he's saying. And the press, because this is how the press does it, especially with Republicans, you know, they, they drive it to 11 on the scale of one to 10. They fact check it and they go crazy and they give him coverage and they give him coverage that, that, and, and that's how he won the presidency. He just kept saying stuff that was 20% over the top for what people were willing to hear. And, but that his, but that his base and his supporters are like, yeah, I get what he's saying. Yeah. Yes. The burgers that he served these college kids in the white house won't stack a mile high. He said a thousand that would stack a mile high. Meant there was a lot of them. So you're but, just saying, you're God. saying Trump's trolling the, uh, the legacy media. 
he told he told into the presidency clearly. I mean, I mean, there's there's you know, there's no way he didn't do that. So I mean, we've got a we've do, we've got just a couple of minutes left, Ken, and I want sure, uh, sure. I want to get you to describe what you're doing over there at LaCourt News and uh, why why your site is a solid f- source of information. Well, look, so he, so we do a, we spend a lot of time looking at that and trying to a peel off the level that these people are being honest with you because they've gone beyond honesty to to intentionally lying. They, they will do a story saying. You know, Pete Buttigieg gave a speech wearing his underwear and, and not mentioned that he was wearing a suit, tie, and shoes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the level of I can lie effectively by telling the truth. But the other thing, and, and maybe next time we're on here, uh, we can talk, talk more, is, is we had always hoped that, that the Internet would be the savior. That would be, you know, Andrew Breitbart was a good friend of mine, that, that as we expose these legacy media for being, for being manipulative and lying, that we could go to the online world and find truth there. But the amount of censorship that is kicking in in every single major place that you can go online, Facebook, which has banned me. I had three and a half million followers and banned me for no viable reason. Unbelievable. To Twitter, to Twitter, you talked about Twitter, you talked about this story in China. First guy to really push that out there. Maybe some conspiracy theory, some stuff was Zero Hedge. They got zapped off of Twitter with three quarters of a million followers. You know, they have designed these rules by the by the crazy lefty kids who were in college five years ago. And they're now they're now, you know, VPs at Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all these sites. That's where conservatives are going to have to fight this over the next over the next handful of years. When I reported on the name of the so-called whistleblower, the CIA analyst who kicked off an impeachment, I got taken down off of uh, my my videos got taken off of of, uh, Facebook. Then I got banned. I want to ask I I want to ask you real quick before we go. What's your opinion of the uh, the Murdoch boys are now that they've taken the reins over at Fox News? And if you think that uh, they will be true to the uh, the vision uh, that Roger Ailes set up. I think you'll see less of that. Um, um, Rupert is fundamentally a conservative guy and even more a capitalist. I think that James, the older son, who's having less involved on this, he is more overtly liberal um, um, and, you know, really cares about what Scarlett Johansson thinks about him. Um, um, I think that, that Lachlan, who is the, is the, I think is going to become the primary uh, Murdoch son, I think he's probably more moderate than his brother, not as conservative as his dad. They're making like $1.5 billion a year profit. That's on what that. it's about. That's what it's about. So, so they're not going to, so they'll calm some things down. I think they intentionally whacked O'Reilly. I think they intentionally did some things like that. And Trish. But, um, um, you know, they're going to try to, they're going to try to prevent somebody coming in from the right and still make a whole lot of money. Ken LaCourt. He runs LaCourt News. You can find him online at LaCourtNews.com. Unspun News Talk Uncensored. You can find him on Twitter at Ken LaCourt. That's L-A-C-O-R-T-E. Ken, thanks for joining us. I hope you come back again. That'd be great. Had a good time, Captain. Take care. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. 
For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com.